listening to the Crosscutting Concerns podcast. I'm your host, Matt Groves. Please visit the site at crosscuttingconcerns.com where you can subscribe, browse the archives, contact me, read show notes, and leave a comment. I'm recording this podcast on July 11, 2017 at Detroit Code in Detroit, Michigan. My guest today is an author, speaker, and Microsoft MVP, James Bender. How are you? Great, Matt. How are you? Glad to see you in Detroit. It's not like we don't live 10 uh, miles from each other back in Columbus. <laughs> Thanks for being on the show, James. So I wanted to talk to you a little bit today about JavaScript frameworks. Okay. So we're, I'm assuming you mean client-side frameworks, which are used to build... They're often referred to as single-page applications. Although I don't hear that term being used as much anymore. They're really... I think people are starting to kind of get past that term. They really are referring to them more as client-side web applications. Single-page is still technically true. We're working with a lot of these frameworks, and the ones we see a lot of work with today, and, and before I get into these, I still should say, jQuery is still a very powerful framework. We still see a lot of sites just being built with jQuery. It, it still provides a lot of value if you're not going to use a client-side framework. You definitely want to still understand how that works. The three that we're seeing as the most popular right now are AngularJS, which used to be known as Angular 1. I think it's up to 1.5.8 now. I have to double-check. Angular, which used to be known as Angular 2, and now it's Angular 4 is out, but they're kind of dropping the, the version of it from the official name, and then React. So AngularJS is your traditional client-side MVC model view controller framework. It's got a lot of great stuff. There's a ton of apps that have been built in it, and we see a lot of people who are still using it for applications. Like I said, it, it's kind of weird. You know, we came up with this idea of legacy code and what this idea of what legacy code is, and for some people that was COBOL, for some people that was code that didn't have unit tests. And now for some people, that's client-side JavaScript framework that doesn't support a component-centric model. So it's kind of funny how that term changes over the years. But AngularJS is still great. It, t- it does tend to still focus on controllers, although with directives and components now, you can get a really good component experience. But it still provides value, and we still have a lot of people building applications with it. However, you're starting to do something new, something more kind of greenfield. I'm really liking, I'm looking at Angular and I'm looking at React as kind of where people are going. And the big departure between those and frameworks like AngularJS is AngularJS, at least starter life, is really kind of everything focused around the controller, or at least that's how it felt. Angular and React are kind of more component-based. So, you know, you're a former .NET developer, current .NET developer. Current, yes, current. Okay. And essentially, so when I say a user control, you know immediately what I mean, right? It's basically we're taking a piece of functionality, which may or may not include some front-end component, and we're encapsulating it into a reusable piece that's very specific to a very specific task. That's really what frameworks like Angular and React have kind of addressed is this idea of I don't necessarily want to write a, a view or a page and have that kind of be my overall thing, and I have to kind of manage things on a macro level. I want to break all my functionality down into smaller components, and I want to write a piece of code that addresses that specific need on a component level, and then I can use those to compose an application. So that's really the big difference between uh, AngularJS and Angular and React. So you mentioned user controls, and I don't think you're going to win any fans by bringing <laughs> up user controls. <laughs> well, it was a good analogy. I'm not saying it was, uh, I'm not, you know, not everything we did in .NET worked. Um, I'll be the first to say that. Some things were kind of like, you have a feeling they're like, putting it together and Redmond like you know this is never going to take off yeah but you know we got to deliver something so <laughs> that is funny though because when I first started using it was called Angular 2 at the time mm-hmm. I said this feels a lot like 
Like a lot like web forms and a lot like user controls. Sure, sure. And I think the user control analogy is valid. Web forms, I can kind of say it a little bit. If, if you kind of look at it on a high enough level, there is almost kind of this idea of a code behind where you're packaging your front end with your logic. Now, with Angular, you can still extrapolate your logic out into other components that don't have a front end uh, visual aspect to it, and that's great. But at the same time, if I'm building a front end application, normally what I'm going to be doing is that JavaScript that's going to run on the client side 90% it's going to be focused on the front end anyway, because that's really what I'm doing. Anything that's really processor intensive or data intensive or something that is really businessy or the logic I'm going to want to possibly share across other applications, I'm probably going to put that up somewhere in the cloud and I'm going to call that with a web service. That gets me a couple benefits. Obviously, I have the power of the server. So anything that's long running, anything that's complicated, JavaScript's created a lot of things, but there are some algorithms maybe are still better to put up in the cloud. The other great thing about that is I can share that functionality. If I have my client-side JavaScript application, maybe I have an iOS app, maybe I have an Android app, maybe I'm, I have some other front end somewhere, maybe I have other processes, workflows that need that. If I think of that almost as a component that's just in the cloud, I still get that reusability through composition because I can just call it from wherever. Since it's a REST-based interface, it's easy to access from pretty much anywhere. So that really helps me as well. I think it's fair to say that you are definitely a fan of Angular, and uh, you've looked into React, and you've used AngularJS. So this is where things get a little interesting. Uh, developers can be opinionated. I know that's no. a sho I, I was shocked to hear that myself. I kind of work with our customers. I kind of see what their goals and, and what their thinking is. I'm not saying necessarily Angular is better than React or React is better than Angular. I'm saying, you know, it's at some level, and I know people from both sides are going to flame me on this, but I don't care. It almost comes down to Coke versus Pepsi. I mean, React has some advantages. It's not as verbose. It's, it performs better. So I get that. The thing that Enterprise likes about Angular is that if you kind of take an analogy to buying a car, Angular is everything in one box. You just go, like you buy a car, you just go and you say, I want a car, please. And they just here's your car, you drive home. React is saying, okay, I have an engine, now I need to get a steering wheel and a transmission and wheels and a body and a radio, which I'm told are parts of a car. You have to build the car yourself. For enterprise that wants to standardize on a standard stack, a standard loadout, a standard way of doing things, Angular is great for them. They have large teams, they have a learning curve they want to address, they have to hire lots of people sometimes quickly, they have to move people sometimes quickly between projects. So having that kind of homogenous environment is appealing to them. And they're willing to look past certain things like some of the verbosity of the code and, and the slight performance degradation in certain cases. React, again, is more kind of that kit approach. So where I see React being really popular is in the mediums to smaller size companies where you have smaller teams, you're maybe a little bit leaner, and you want to compose that stack. I want Because React is really just a view engine. You need something like maybe Redux or Flux or whatever else to make it work. You need to kind of put those other parts together. And so that's, I think what a lot of developers like is they can kind of customize it to be their own thing and they get the performance. So it's really just kind of what you value personally should direct you to what you want to do in terms of Angular or React. So recently I've been looking at Aurelia mm -hmm. and I've also looked at Vue in the past and mm -hmm. this has been sort of a theme in, in podcasts over the last year or so is which of these frameworks out of the many, many choices should mm -hmm. I go with? And and actually I tried Aurelia, I really, really liked it. So how, how do those frameworks are really in view fit into the spectrum there. Sure. So I, I don't have as much experience with either of those. Um, Aurelia, I know, started by some people who left the Google Angular team. And the thing I hear a lot is, is Aurelia is what Angular was supposed to be. Well, okay. It does have things I like about it. Again, looking at where I'm living in the enterprise space, we deal with a lot of enterprise customers. I think where their problem is, their problem isn't technology, their problem is marketing. I mean, when you have Google pushing marketing for a framework, 
or Facebook pushing marketing for a framework, that can be kind of hard to overcome sometimes. Aurelia might very well be superior to both of them, but the problem is they don't have the Google or the Facebook power pushing them. Um, I need to spend some more time looking at it. Vue is another thing I've looked at a little bit. I like Vue. It's, it's smaller. It's more lightweight. I haven't seen anybody build anything really big with it. Now, in all fairness, I haven't really gone looking, but I've seen a lot of people build parts of other applications using Vue, things like contact us pages or things that are a little bit smaller. Is Vue something that could be used to build enterprise applications? I don't know at this point. I can tell you, though, that the enterprise is really focusing on Angular and React right now. And again, you look who's behind those companies. It's big companies who are pushing those, and they've been very successful. Open source projects are great, but this is kind of a weird thing we're seeing now. It kind of mirrors how maybe the world economy works. You have four products. They're all, and people can't see me making air quotes at home, they're all <laughs> open source, but two have very strong, very large backers. The other two don't. Let's switch gears a little bit. Let's talk about something that's associated with these frameworks. It doesn't necessarily have to be part of them. Mm -hmm. TypeScript. TypeScript. So what do you think about TypeScript? I kind of have a love-hate relationship with TypeScript, to be honest. I think there were a lot of kooky things in JavaScript that I would like to see corrected. I'm not sure a type system really was one of those things I was hoping for. Having said that, I do understand a lot of people like the benefits of having a type system, being able to explicitly define what those types should be. Angular, Angular is very closely tied with TypeScript. You can do Angular without TypeScript, but I think really most demos and the strength of Angular is with TypeScript. Where my frustration comes with TypeScript is people's misunderstanding and misusing it. It's going to protect you theoretically from a very specific class of bug, which is can be pernicious, especially in JavaScript. Types not matching. But what a lot of people forget is that by default, that TypeScript transpiler, it will not fail if a type doesn't match. It'll give you a warning. But I mean, let's be honest. How many developers look at warnings when they come across? Did, did it build? Okay, run it. It will warn you about these things, but if you're not paying attention to the warnings, then you've lost the value. The other thing is there's a lot of ways in TypeScript to kind of cheat that type system. You can, As I mentioned, you can simply just not provide a type. The transpiler is going to say, hey, you didn't provide a type, but it's not going to prevent you from going forward. Or it has that eponymous any type, which I understand you need for JavaScript because it's JavaScript, it's dynamic. Sometimes it's very hard to have a static type for things. Well, while I understand the spirit of TypeScript and I, I applaud that, I don't know that it is something that is giving people as much protection as I think it is. I've actually had people tell me, now you know I'm a big TDD zealot. I'm, I've, you know, I've been that way for as long as you know me, right? Uh, and that expands, expands JavaScript. I've actually had people tell me, well, we don't really TDD our JavaScript because we have TypeScript. That's not going to cut it. I mean, TypeScript, again, will protect you from a type mismatch error. But most of the bugs I've encountered in my professional life, most of those are not type errors. They're problems with your algorithm. And TypeScript is not going to help you with those. So people using TypeScript thinking, well, I've got it made. I just have TypeScript installed, so everything's just smooth sailing. It's giving you some protection, but you A, have to pay attention to what it's telling you, and you can't just assume that's going to be a substitute for tests. You have to actually do testing. You've written a book on test-driven development, and I'll put a link to that in the show notes at crosscuttingconcerns.com. As far as TDD with these frameworks, how difficult or easy is it with Angular, React, Aurelia to get started with unit tests? I can speak to Angular and React, because those are the two I have a little more experience with. It's actually very easy. One of the things the JavaScript community has really embraced is this idea of automated unit testing. And so these frameworks have really been built, even going back to AngularJS, these frameworks have really been built with testability in mind. So much so that Facebook actually has a framework called Jest, which is very good for dealing with React. React's a little bit different than other frameworks because you have JSX, which is essentially, for years we've been putting, Java, or we've been putting JavaScript in our HTML, React kind of turns that on its head. It puts HTML in your JavaScript. But they have 
Jest, which really kind of supports a lot of that, especially with some add-ons you can get for it. Angular is another framework. Again, it's very easy to test. Everything's componentized. But when you get down to it, everything's just code. I mean, it's, it's, it's an object with a method with code in it. So it's very easy to work with in testing as well. Again, you've heard me say this because we've worked together in the past. There's really no excuse not to be test driving your code. I mean, I, I don't care if it's .NET or Java or whatever or JavaScript rather, you really need to be doing that. That is, that is, it's so important, especially with people adopting more algae methodologies, you really need to have it there. Before we go, is there anything you'd like to promote, uh, contact information or anything like that? You can reach out to me on Twitter at James Bender. And I have a new book hopefully coming out before the end of the year. I think I was joking with you at lunch. It's a book on Angular, and I feel like I've written it three times now because Angular has kept changing. But hopefully that book will be out on O'Reilly before the end of the year, building Angular apps with Angular and Web API. My guest today has been James Bender. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks, man. This has been the Cross-Cutting Concerns Podcast, produced and recorded by Matt Groves 2017. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it on social media and leave a review on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you download this podcast. For show notes, please go to crosscuttingconcerns.com. This episode is recorded under the Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 license. Hosting for this podcast was made possible in part by Microsoft. It was recorded and mixed with the help of Audacity, Skype, and Camtasia Recorder. The theme music is by The Dirty Truckers. You can buy the music on Amazon or iTunes. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on a future episode, please go to crosscuttingconcerns.com to submit your name and idea.